wetsuits hold you in. Um, <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Sometimes, sometimes it bang on. It's like when you start sort of like awake in the night and you just sit up and you're like, whoa, whoa. That's us during bang on sometimes. <laughs> that, was it. that was it. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very excited. Are you excited? Are you oh excited? Oh, my God. Do we have a drum roll? That's right. Very big news that we are excited to announce in this week's podcast. Bang on live is coming to Melbourne, Miff Warhurst. Yay! And that's exactly what we'll have, a full orchestra. It's going to be amazing. Coming to Melbourne, October 21st. That's a Sunday, so plenty of time to spend the entire day with us or get prepared, spend the entire evening with us afterwards. And it's going to be happening at the Thornbury Theatre, a beautiful venue in Melbourne. So this is just magnificent news. Yeah, we did it last year in Sydney as a part of the Yak Festival. And ever since then, people have been saying, when are you going to bring it to Melbourne? And we do try to work this out. You know, we always want to bring the Bang Fam and meet the Bang Fam at events all over Australia. And we've finally been able to make it happen. There is going to be everything that you would expect from Bang On, except in a live environment. I mean, last year, remember, at Bang On, we had Sam Simmons do the theme for us live on stage. We had some fashion where you fashioned a pair of window jeans. I made and window a, jeans. <laughs> lucky you can, Bang you, you cannot imagine what I'll come up with this time around. <laughs> it was so fun. It was seriously one of the best days of 2017 for me. So we're so, so excited to be bringing it to Melbourne. And yeah, there are going to be special guests. Let's just say we have some very, very fun things planned for that afternoon. And I will tell you this, when we were trying to find the right venue, it was at front of mind for me that it was a place that served alcohol because I know this is a place and a space that the Bang Fam want to get loose in. So we're going to do the same thing as we did in Sydney, which is come along to watch Bang On, but then we're going to hang out with you afterwards. I may bring some after dinner mints to share with the crowd. I may bring something else new to surprise the crowd with, but we're going to be hanging with you for a little bit of wine time after Bang On as well. We spell it wine, W-H-A-I-N-E, wine. Wine time. So it can be kind of like wine or wine. Wine. Yeah. Uh, And all the details, if you want to come along, tickets are on sale now. I would encourage you to get onto it. Yeah, right now. Straight up. Get them. Get them. Hurry up. Double J.net.au. My mum wants it too, so we better hold those. I've already had friends go, can you put me on the door? I'm going to buy your bloody ticket. Yeah, get in there. <laughs> We're not millionaires. Wow. <laughs> that was a joke, obviously. <laughs> Millionaire Mo- Miff Warhurst will be appearing at Bang On Live mm, in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. It's live to boo. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> Sunday, October the 21st at the Thornbury Theatre in Melbourne. All the details we will put in the show notes as well. Very, very exciting stuff. Well, something really controversial happened on a tennis court over the weekend and who'd have thought we'd be talking about tennis here on Bang On, but Serena Williams was at the centre of it at the US Open Women's Final on Saturday 
Naomi Osaka defeated Serena Williams to become Japan's first Grand Slam singles champion, but the controversy that ensued has consumed media outlets all week and it's even moved on to uh, a cartoon that some may say is racially inappropriate as well. So there's a lot to discuss here about the Serena Williams dummy spit at the US Open. Let's do it. Yeah, this is, I mean, just to catch you up, if you're not across what actually happened, basically the chair umpire at the women's final in the US Open, Carlos Ramos, uh, gave Serena a verbal warming about receiving coaching from the sidelines. And then she challenged him, Serena challenged him about that coaching call. And then after a little bit after that, Serena smashed her racket in frustration after losing a game and he penalised her for a point for that. And then after that, she called him a thief and he penalised her by an entire game mm. for what he said was a verbal uh, abuse. So this is a really big penalisation. And pretty much, you know, during and then after the match, Williams just stood up and basically just called out publicly the really sexist double standards that she said have coloured Ramos's calls, you know, saying that basically male tennis players have not been penalised as harshly or even at all for similar or worse outbursts. Yeah, well, I, I grew up in the in the 80s and I remember John McEnroe. Yeah, of course. Was the most abusive person on the tennis court. And yes, he did get penalised, but really pushed it so far. I mean, you cannot be serious, was the one in Australia, if I remember correctly. But he did that every single match. And it became kind of part of his thing, isn't it? His shtick that he did that. Like that was part of his personality, part of his character. Jimmy Connors once called an umpire an abortion with no fallout. Oh, my God. Yep. It's nuts. It's been think peace galore this week around the Serena Williams conversation. Billie Jean King, who is a tennis legend herself, wrote a great op-ed where she basically said, did Ramos treat Williams differently than male players have been treated? I think he did. Ultimately, a woman was penalised for standing up for herself. And the point that she made was that women do have a right to speak out against injustice and she understands what motivates Williams to do what she did. And the point was that I think that Williams understands as a player herself, first of all, that she's an anomaly, that this is a very white middle-class sport Mm. and she is a black player from Compton who's had to fight and claw her way to the top and is, male or female, the greatest athlete in tennis, possibly of all time up until now. Mm. So when she's up there and she's got a chance to speak out against this and clearly is quite upset. Well, this was raw. She's going to take that opportunity because she knows of all the people who are watching her her daughter who's watching her, everyone is watching her and going, They can. See, everyone can see it so clearly. I mean, I think we've actually got some audio of, of her reacting and you can just hear, hear it in her voice. I'm here fighting for women's rights and for women's equality and for all kinds of stuff. And for me to say thief and for him to take a game, it made me feel like it was a sexist remark. I mean, like how he's never took a game from a man because they said thief. <laughs> For me, it blows my mind, but I'm going to continue to fight for women and to fight for us to have equal, like Courtney should be able to take her shirt off without getting a fine. Like, this is outrageous. The fact that I have to go through this is just an example for the next person that has emotions and that want to express themselves and they want to be a strong woman. And they're going to be allowed to do that because of today. Maybe it didn't work out for me, but it's going to work out for the next person. That's a bit heartbreaking, isn't it? 
you can hear it, the pleading, and also just the there's a tone in her voice where she's just fed up. Yeah. And I think this is something that we all, like a lot of women, it resonates. And we talked about this when you were away, Miffy, mm, two, when Jan Fran two, two. was talking about, yeah, Corne and getting a code violation. So another writer, and there have been many writers, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to say not all men, um, but most You're of the people- You're not going to say not all men, or you sorry, are going to say- <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say not all men. I don't want to say that all men are the people, all the writers who are writing against Serena are men, but, you know, by and large, I'm looking at these bylines and it's it's pretty clear from what I've seen in these think pieces. Brian Armin Graham on The Guardian was acknowledging in this piece that he wrote about it, he acknowledged the racism and sexism that Williams had shouldered and agreed that male players aren't penalised in the same fashion, but then he reckons that she could have handled the final stages better, almost saying that, her outrage undercut the the leaps and bounds that have been made, almost like saying you've come so far, mm. pipe down, don't back, mess it up. Yeah, back and in that place. really pissed me off because yeah. it's like back in your out- box, lady, outright out, outspoken and strong lady, you are out of line. That's or just essentially pre- you know, what it says, isn't it? Yeah, and, appre- and appreciate how far you've come. It's like, yeah, but we're not there yet. And that's where the frustration comes. It's that idea of we'll reach equality. We've just got to hurry the hell up. It is so boring that we're still having these conversations for us most of all. So if you're mm. frustrating that we're having them, imagine how we feel, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, uh, in a really unimpressive move, the Herald Sun went with a cartoon that's taken it a whole lot further and oh, put God. Australia on the map for the racism that exists in this country, I think. And that was the – look, it's a caricature created by Mark Knight for the Herald Sun, a Melbourne newspaper, and it has gone global with so many people outside of Australia deciding that this is a really inappropriate image. It's of Serena Williams smashing her racket and the cartoonist is saying that it's about what happened rather than the imagery, but the imagery – is so loaded and to do a cartoon like this in this day and age, knowing exactly what's going on in America at the moment and claim ignorance as the author of this cartoon has done just seems beyond tone deaf. It seems unacceptable. No one is that ignorant. Yeah, and particularly someone like him, I mean, you know, his job as a cartoonist is to know the history of cartoon. <laughs> like, that's literally, you can't yeah. sort of say, oh, I'm in this field, but I don't really know the history of what is basically these kind of Jim Crow stereotypes, these, mm. you know, cartoons that were used to depict and really to denigrate African Americans during a time of segregation. I call bullshit on that. You I do could, know yeah. what that is. You know exactly what you're doing. You're poking at that history and then stepping back and going, oh, I didn't know anything about it. And I totally understand if Australian, you know, the Australian public doesn't necessarily know about the history of Jim Crow. And I encourage you, if you've never, you know, heard of that, then to Google Mm. it and you'll understand and see that cartoon in a different light. But he should know. He does know. Well, the Jim Crow era was when laws were put in place back in the late 19th century that enforced segregation in the South of America. And all of this was... It was just a horrible time in American history and the imagery that came out of that is is not good, not good at all. And here we are playing it out in Australia. Of course, it didn't happen here, but to be unaware of that just seems beyond ignorant to me. That cartoon is for me a very literal illustration of just how quick society degrades women so and, and black women in particular when basically you don't fall in line with the ways women are supposed to act that's the reaction you get and I'm sick of it
Uh, love it when there's more fashion news for us. Hey, happy happy New York Fashion uh, Week. Fashion Week, yes. <laughs> I've been uh, imagining myself at Bryant Park this <laughs> week. I'm in the front row and I'm loving the shit out of this week's Fashion, fashion Week. Uh, imagery that's coming through over the wires. Um, please, <laughs> please insert. Um, what is it called? What's that? I had it in my head. Yeah, you good. didn't need to say it. Good over the wires. Over He's the so wires. quaint. Over I the know. wires. I know. Um, well, first and foremost, Zan, you alerted me to the magnificent promotion that has seen uh, one designer teaming up the shoe du jour of this season, which is let me tell you. Here in Australia, we call it a thong, but everywhere mm. else it's a flip-flop. Or a jandal. Or a jandal. <laughs> I still can't accept that as an actual legitimate term that's unacceptable. So Do not good. use that around me. I feel dirty. <laughs> it's a jandal. jandal. And you can put your jandals in your chilli bin as well if you want. <laughs> God, I I'm love here New Zealanders. For the, I love New Zealanders, but I'm not here for jandals. Sorry, no offence to any of the New Zealanders listening. Jandals <laughs> like jeans and sandal. Like, don't, don't you feel that? It's like jorts. Jandals. I can't. <laughs> I can't be at one with it. I'm sorry, as a name. Um, this is quite a furious reaction to jandals. Fashion, I wasn't expecting this. Fashion invokes <laughs> furious responses. And, it's true. And uh, ecstatic, ecstatic responses as well. And I'm having both of those right now. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the thong is hot. So anyone, any Australian idiot who's been wearing thongs with every outfit for the last 10 years, which is pretty much all of us, mm. we're in fashion right now. Vindicated, absolutely vindicated. And yeah. it was Australian designer as well, Dion Lee, that did it, who mm. makes pretty uh, kind of high-end clothes. So good for you, Dion Lee, for pairing the thong with high mm. fashion. You won't be allowed in the Qantas Club with those toes on show, though. So it <laughs> doesn't matter how much you paid for them, still not allowed in. Never forget that incident. So funny. Never forget. Um, Calvin Klein, though. Calvin Klein, look, let's be honest, has been fading in relevance for quite some time, but is back, it seems, the label, not the person. The the label is back. They've got a designer, Raph Simons. Is he the same guy that took over the House of Dior a few years ago? And there was, oh. he, was, he was the star of that um, Dior documentary, I think. He's really mm, good. Mm, he's really good. And he has in his fashion um, back back catalogue a whole lot of references to contemporary movies of at least the last 30 or so years. And this week for Fashion Week surprised us all with a Jaws-themed fashion parade, of which you'll be pleased to know if you look up any of the photos. Pretty amazing. Some of them just had went for straight Jaws T-shirts, which was straight up just general love for Jaws. But then we've got the outfit that's really getting a lot of popularity on catwalks all around the world. It is the wetsuit, and I'm talking, you know, neoprene. Neoprene is a great uh, great material for fashion because you sweat like an MF when you're wearing <laughs> neoprene. It does not breathe. So really, if uh, I've been dressed in neoprene before for television, and little did they know the television lights are so bright, I, I was literally dripping while wearing neoprene. <laughs> Um, and anyway, she's wearing a wetsuit, but then she's got a skirt over the top Ooh. that's got a kind of shark mouth bite, so no. a big bit ripped out of the skirt. And this is high fashion. Um, <laughs> and you, can, you too can achieve it at home if you get a borrow a wetsuit. There's a few going at the op shop um, that don't fit and have been peed in by numerous people, but that's fine. And then the skirt is just like a granny sort of sheer number that's been eaten by mothballs. There's plenty of those. Up at the local savers, so <laughs> this one's for us. And I, I really love the fact that um, the articles are really endorsing this Jaws 
featured fashion line because um, they're saying that Simons has such an influence on fashion, and this is in the article, that he made the balaclava a bona fide trend for autumn. With him endorsing it, the wetsuit could easily go the same way. Red beanies will certainly be popular. How are we ever going to go to the toilet? Or is that the point? You just pee in it. You just, just pee while you're it. walking. Just, <laughs> just piss, collects it. Piss in your clothes. Oh, this is great, actually. This is practical for Arshan. <laughs> I just saw that it's a little light bulb that just went up a few above your head. Oh, here's another thing that we can appreciate out of this. What an amazing fashion update. I know. So many things that we can just get from home. I love it. <laughs> well, you can't go away, girl. I'm going to need you. Play your game today. My ticket to an Ivy League school. Won't get Hall of Fame dick from a minor league dude. I'd see pussy, other people need food. Only got a little time and I trust That's the voice of Mac Miller, who has sadly died over the weekend at the age of 26. Another shocking death in the music industry myth. Uh, died from an overdose. And uh, the outpouring of grief from all corners of particularly the hip-hop community. He was pretty much known as a pretty great guy. And I know that there's several people um, here in radio, like Howe and also Shantan, some broadcasters at Triple J and Double J, uh, talked about just what an open guy he was, real supporter. But there's been another kind of, I guess, reporting around this story that is around, you know, this myth that women are responsible for their male partner's actions. And, of course, a lot of reporting around his ex-girlfriend, Ariana Grande, who he was with for two years. They broke up relatively recently and now she's moved on. The The language and the discussion around this is pretty ugly, isn't it? Oh, it's really ugly. There's a great article, actually. It's up on Rolling Stone and it's called You Did This to Him, Ariana Grande, Mac Miller and the Demonization of Women in Toxic Relationships. Now, uh, I think we all know that Mac Miller's uh, problems with addiction were really well documented. And Ariana Grande. He rapped about them openly all, this, all the time. He talked about it very openly. And Ariana Grande spoke about that struggle and eventually broke up with him because I would imagine, as is my experience with people in that situation, when it goes beyond a situation that you can actually help somebody and you end up being a carer, that you're not helping them at all. Mm. And I think, I, I'm not saying suggesting why she, she would have left him that's none of us know that but the abuse that she copped online on twitter on social media was horrific saying that she had caused this if she'd have stayed with him he wouldn't die it's 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 unbelievable in fact people talk talk about it as the yoko effect and again we're reminded that some people still have that idea that yoko ono broke up the beatles that she's responsible for the demise of the greatest rock band there blame a woman Yeah, and even like, you know, it's interesting in this piece as well, just reminding us that, you know, Courtney Love is still fielding social media comments and conspiracy theories that not only was she the person who took Kurt down the the road of being, you know, of of being addicted to heroin, but also some people claim that she murdered him and or faked his Mm. suicide. And I mean, he died well before any of these social media platforms existed. And yet, you know, more than 20 years later, the basically she's still facing these claims and these this bullshit response from people um and it kind of speaks volumes the way that it's sort of mentioned about the way that society expects women to be caretakers mm. and then reacts with fury when they cannot apparently absorb their partner's pain, that they can't fix everything, and that it is always regardless of whether it's a good or a bad thing, the responsibility always falls on the female and it's just well, it's, full it's, on. It's very entrenched and very ingrained views that women are caretakers, that women are nurturers, that women 
are responsible for the well-being of of men and that has changed that has changed within society particularly within developed western cultures and yet that hangover that very very ingrained misogyny in terms of that belief still exists it's still hanging in there if it's something horrible happens it must be a woman's fault if a man has fallen it must be a woman's fault or she hasn't cared for him enough or I just I can't even comprehend it that 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 narrative is that narrative still exists. I think also from when I've spoken to male friends about this, there's a real frustration too that that agency is taken away from men. And I know that in this context, yeah. we're talking about something that's quite tragic, and that you know people are trying to figure out why when it's you know obviously this guy had a problem and he overdosed, and that's a very sad event. But there's also you know in other walks of life when there's that idea that men are hopeless and they can't make their own decisions mm. and there's no personal responsibility, and you see it in ads all the time. Too, oh, the kind of the hapless man who can't figure anything out. There's plenty of men that get so pissed off at that as well. It's like men have agency. Don't yeah. dumb it down. So yeah, I think that the, it's frustration on both sides. It's obviously there's a lot of anger that's being directed to Ariana Grande, and you just think about how you know. Imagine that. Imagine losing someone close to you that you had been close to, and then you have this public abuse being hurled at you, being told that you're the one who's responsible for it. It's messed up. But I think on the other side as well, men are pretty fed up by it as well. Mm. It's just, you know, it's a very boring old trope. Well, if John Lennon was still around and speaking of Imagine, I'm pretty sure he would tell you that he made that decision to leave the Beatles. He was done and dusted and that's pretty much confirmed. And it had very little to do with Yoko Ono in the end. What's your addiction? Is it money? Is it girls? Is it we? I've been afflicted by that one, that two, but all three, she's got the same thing about me. Miffy, I'm banging on about a book uh, called Addicted. That is actually one of my favourite Kanye West songs when he uh, was rapping about good things a few years ago. Um, but have you, this... seen, have you seen Kimmy lately? She's looking quite cyborg-like. Is anyone... Very cyborg-like. Yeah. <laughs> the green hair, I love it. There's a lot of neon going on in Kimmy's yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason that I wanted to play that for you is because, yeah, this book that I just read called Addicted is a new book by, you know, the Knopf's Foundation who set up Wayside Chapel um, and yep. also Lifeline. Ted Knopf's is basically kind of a legend in Australia and his whole family, uh, the legacy has continued. Matt Knopf's is his grandson and he's actually the guy that you'll often see on the news talking about harm minimization. He's the one who's really pushing for pill testing at festivals and stuff oh, like right. that. That's him. And he, yeah, and he's a real campaigner for that kind of harm minimization. It has been for decades. He's teamed up with a psychologist by the name of Kieran Palmer to write this book about addiction. And I really found it fascinating because not only is it about, obviously, you know, the common addictions that we always hear about, drugs and alcohol, gambling, but also about the stuff that I think we talk about a lot, which is social media and our smartphones and all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, and the the things that drive us to that and also that understanding and that idea of it's not addiction in some cases, it's dependence. And in some ways there is a trauma or an anxiety, a chemical imbalance in the brain that is why you're pushed towards these realms. Mm. And for me, coming from, you know, to, I guess to speak openly, I don't, I don't really deal with any mental health issues myself. I don't have anxiety. I don't suffer depression. I do have quite a few people around me that deal with that stuff and manage it in various ways. And just reading this book, uh, uh, not only from the addiction side of things, but also 
finding out what the chemical makeup is and just the descriptions of here's what happens when you basically have a panic attack or here's what happens when trauma does this and the freeze situation, all these different things that because I've never experienced them, I can only have sympathy, not empathy. The book just is an incredible read and better than that, it sort of ties in together. It's just a really understanding read of what leads to addiction and dependence and then also how. what are the tools to help those around you. So it's, it's such a good book. I just, I've just i been reading it over the last few weeks and I've been wanting to talk to you about it, but I wanted to wait till I finished it. But, yeah, Addicted by Matt Noffs and Kieran Palmer, really fascinating. It's written in a really open way, so um, it's a great entry point and really fascinating as well. It's a, good, yeah. a very, very good book. Going to read it. Sounds good. Um, today I'm banging on about a television show that you can watch on on SBS On Demand, and I got recommended this by a friend. It's not normally something I would usually choose to watch. It's sci-fi, which I do enjoy, but I don't go out of my way. Um, it's called Counterpart, and it's a kind of sci-fi show, but not really. And it stars J.K. Simmons, who played the teacher in that magnificent film. He won an Academy Award for it, Whiplash. Oh, yeah. and I love that guy. Yeah, he's amazing. And the plot line of this show has a really interesting premise. It's a UN agency that's based in Berlin is where this guy works. He's been working there for 30 years. He has no idea of what's going on in that agency. But as it turns out, there is a parallel world that got invented like 10 years ago. And the access point is in the bottom of this building. So this guy doesn't know what he's actually working towards. And there is another him. In fact, there is another of every single person in the world, in this parallel world, and, and they, they sometimes cross into each other's worlds. And it's it's actually – I've been really enjoying it and I'm getting into it in a way that I haven't got into a TV series for quite some time. And it was unexpected because, you know, not really my bag. But I'm here I for think, it. Get I in reckon there. The, yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> and you know what? I reckon sci-fi can play in those worlds because it's often sci-fi. It's like it's like the world now, but just a little bit different. It's just that mm. kind of near future vibe, or it's just very similar mm. to what you're used to, but just slightly different. So you can play in unknown realms and really mess with sort of ideas. Yeah. And you uh, get J.K. Simmons. He gets to show his acting chops because he gets to play one guy who's a real dweeb, and the other guy <laughs> is this really kind of go-getter, arrogant, basically an asshole. Um, and so you can really, it's the same person. You know, he's got kind of a deadpan expression, but you, you can really tell the difference between the two characters. It's it's a real masterclass in acting as well, and I love that. So good. All right, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to add that to my list. Miffy. Yeah? We're banging on in Melbourne. I'm so excited for this. I know. Hometown for me. Yeah. yeah. My, my hometown as well. Your I'm coming home too. for it. Um, should we have a craft afternoon in the lead up to it as well? I think we'll need to. What, what do we need to make? Maybe we can take suggestions. More badges? Maybe. That was a bit hard. It's <laughs> a bit hard and tedious. Because we got drunk. We got, started getting drunk halfway through it. Everything slowed down after the first bottle of champagne. Yeah, that's true. We had, <laughs> we made someone else do it. Um, if, you, if you want to see what happens when uh, Miff and I hit the stage, you can find all the details for Bang On Live in Melbourne, Sunday the 21st of October at the Thornbury Theatre. We'll put it all in the show notes and we are so excited. Tickets are on sale now. So get your tickets and I'll see you uh, back in the bang on, back on the bang on couch, the bang on banana lounge. <laughs> the bang no, bench. That fr- the bang see bench. on the bang bench. Have you been benched? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you take it somewhere wrong. No, bench means that you sit, you sit on the bench when you get out of the, you're taking That's it somewhere what wrong. That's you say it means. It's the, when, you, when you're in a sporting game and then you're benched. Yeah, I know. Ah, see you next week. See ya.
Hang on. Yeah. Double J.